COVID snarls air traffic around the world as the Omicron variant continues to spread like wildfire. Holiday retail sales come in hot, showing a resilient consumer economy in the face of both COVID and inflation. And the 11-year-old boy who saved two lives in a single day this month, the hero we needed this year, Monday Need to Know. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. This is Cheddar's Need to Know podcast for December 27th. I am Carlo Persano here once again with Baker Machado. Good morning, Baker. Ah, good Monday morning to you, Carlo, on this National Fruitcake Day. I hope you had the greatest of uh, Christmas holidays, as I'm sure our devout Need to Know followers uh, saw over the weekend. You finally posted on Instagram, uh, which we're, of course, <laughs> all excited about because now we really saw that you were enjoying the holiday. How was it? Oh, we had a great, uh, we had a, a fantastic uh, first Christmas with the Franimal. Uh, she did great. She's just a delight. Um, we managed to, well, I'm not going to say we managed, we managed to escape Omicron because uh, we probably won't know for another day or two when we had some possible exposures, but we shall see. But it was, it was, uh, it was lovely and it was a great holiday after another tough year. Uh, how about you? How's, how's everything going in the Machado household? Same. We're great. We're good. Today is a very exciting day. My husband and I are finally going to have dinner tonight, which is very exciting because we've been cooped up <laughs> in this house for over a week now, which is great news here. Uh, the other thing I'm, I'm sure if you're seeing us on the YouTube, I'm a little scruffy, Carlo. I don't have a razor oh, in this house. <laughs> I, I thought about maybe going and getting a razor, but then part of me is like, no, let's just keep the feral, you know, like caveman look going. Because, you know, nothing gets done the week between Christmas and New Year's. So, so I'm just yeah. going to. And this might be the only time in my broadcasting career I'll be able to have some sort of stubble ever. So <laughs> I might as well just keep going with it. See, you can pull it off. I you can't really tell, but I also have not shaved in uh, going on a week now. But my 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 facial hair just it. comes in. It comes in a little gnarly, so it's not as good. But you're right. This week, <laughs> if there's ever a week not to shave, it's the week between right, Christmas and New Year's. Week. Truly, truly the most worthless week uh, of oh, the year. I don't yeah. know why anybody work anybody's at work this week. But alas, here we are. Somehow, uh, somehow, Carlo, we do have a lot to dive into today, and let's start with uh, what happened over the weekend, especially when it comes to Omicron. More than 6,000 flights around the world were canceled over the holiday weekend, that according to FlightAware, and that includes 1,700 within those big U.S. major carriers like United, Delta, JetBlue. They've seen their flight crews hit hard by the Omicron variant, which is now forcing crews to self-isolate that amid an already acute staffing shortage that they're all facing right now. And passenger numbers that are rivaling pre-pandemic times of the amount of people that are wanting to travel right now. The airline industry asking now the CDC to cut the recommended, uh, recommended uh, isolation period from 10 days now to five, they're arguing that the fast spreading variant is making it impossible for them to maintain staffing levels. Uh, and, and we saw that over the weekend, literally any flight that you wanted to go on. I mean, this is between five and 10 percent of their yearly cancellations all happened just yes uh, over the weekend, Carlo. Yeah, weather also adding to that. Uh, back to the, uh, the the isolation guidance. So the CDC has already shortened that guidance for the healthcare industry. I think this happened on Thursday or Friday. They've said that healthcare right. workers uh, who are asymptomatic, who test positive, who are vaccinated, can go from 10 days to seven days in quarantine. It seems that we can do better than that, though. I mean, even five days, I think, as the airline industry is asking for, should be enough. And even that, 
I mean, if you're vaccinated, right, you should really be able to just test yourself out of isolation, I think. That's kind of like what my brother did uh, b- before Christmas. He just kept testing, kept testing, and eventually he threw a couple negatives, um, and uh, he was, you know, allowed to, to rejoin the family. Um, you know, people think that these rapid antigen tests, the take-home tests that are virtually impossible to find, they think that they're sort of useless. I was talking to somebody um, – the other day and he was like oh don't even those, those tests aren't even i don't even think about those they're they're completely worthless <laughs> oh, really that's, but that's, not, I, feel that's like everybody, true, I feel like everybody was using them over the weekend my entire social media feed on christmas was nothing but those abbott yeah. uh rapid tests well they, they the thing is if you use them the right that way they're actually more useful than the pcr tests especially because the pcr test in new york city at least right now they have a seven-day turnaround which is i mean that oh, makes yeah, them it's essentially it's worthless insane. there's no there is no value to getting a PCR test if you're going to find out a week later that you tested positive, especially because with this Omicron thing, by then you're probably just fine. Um, but, the, you know, the rapid tests tell you whether you're carrying a viral load. So they, they basically they tell you if you're contagious. So if you throw two negative rapid tests in a row, you should more or less be OK, assuming that you're that you're vaccinated. I feel like a lot of people don't really understand that that's the value that these things hold. You take a test right before you're doing whatever it is you're supposed to do, whether it's go to work, uh, see family, et cetera, et cetera, which is all the more reason why we need more of these tests, right? No, such a good point. And look, at one particular point, a year ago, we didn't even have these rapid tests for us to be able mm-hmm. to take. Um, but as I was mentioning before, it was sort of amazing seeing everybody post sort of their rapid test on their social media account to basically say, look, I'm going to be able to celebrate Christmas. But that just goes to show what we were all sort of going through during this holiday season, that all of us were sort of trying to test out to be able to go see our our loved ones over the weekend, which was just bananas. Um, Meanwhile, Carlo, uh, a handful of states now reporting more COVID cases than at any other period that they've seen during the pandemic. New York State in particular reported nearly 50,000 new infections on Christmas Eve alone, with some neighborhoods in lower Manhattan now among the most contagious places on Earth due to this incredibly infectious variant. When we look at the average number of new cases that we're getting in this country, Carlo, we're now averaging 215,000 cases per day. That is an 83% jump over the course of the last two weeks, 1,300 deaths we are reporting. But again, we, we've we said this multiple times on this show, there's gonna be a point at, at what point in the pandemic where cases maybe aren't the sort of indicator of where we're at in the pandemic. It's going to be the, the death cases, yeah. just given the fact that so many breakthrough cases are going to be ha- – and as we've seen with Omicron, so many breakthrough cases are going to be happening. But again, your chances of death and hospitalization very low then. Yeah, we're already we're already there. I think this week we'll probably break the uh, our national caseload uh, record, which I believe was set in the early days of this year. Um, but again, the hospitalizations are going up, um, but not in line with what we've seen in the past, which which is more evidence that this variant is relatively mild. And it seems it seems to appear fairly mild for most people. That being said, uh, this sort of worried me just as a parent of a of a new baby. Uh, new York again sounding the alarm. About 
about what our health commissioner is calling a, quote, striking increase in hospitalizations among young patients. Uh, the state has seen a fourfold rise in pediatric hospitalizations in the three weeks between uh, December 5th and Christmas, um, centered mostly in the New York City metro area. And about half of those were kids under five years old, who, of course, are ineligible for vaccines. A third of the older kids who were hospitalized uh, were fully vaccinated. So two thirds of those uh those older children who are in the hospital not fully vaccinated, all the more reason to get those uh, your kids 12 and up uh, vaccinated if they can be. Um, but it just, you know, the vaccines for young kids cannot come soon enough. I think I speak for almost all parents of, uh, of young children when I say this. It, I, I really don't. I don't know how we're going to pull off this trip that we're going on next week. Um, oh, yeah. What's of, the latest it, it, on that? I don't know. I mean, I'm booked. I'm booked. I insured the trip, so I should be able to get out of it. Um, Becky and I are going to sort of make the call in the next uh, in the next couple of days. But these these pediatric hospitalization numbers are are worrisome. Concerning. I have to say. Yeah. 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 Very concerning indeed, uh, Carlo. And as you correctly mentioned, every parent who with a child under five just continues to wait this out here. Uh, let's mm. talk retail sales. The big question has been during the pandemic with uh, with inflation. How would people be spending this holiday season in terms of their money? Well, holiday sales came in higher, 8.5% higher than we spent last year. That, according to MasterCard's retail sales report, the annual spending pulse survey showed online sales jumped 11% over the last year. And e-commerce now makes 21% of total retail sales between November the 1st and Christmas Eve. It was less than 15% pre-pandemic. Uh, these numbers actually pretty impressive, Carla, when you look at them, given the fact that brick and mortar stores, sales at physical stores even rose 8.1% uh, from 2020 uh, and 2.4% compared to 2019. Uh, so that continues to show that the consumer is incredibly healthy right now. Um, where this money is coming from is interesting. Are we spending it from excess savings that we've either mm -hmm. uh, built up during the pandemic? Uh, clearly, inflation did not tamp down people going out and spending money over the holiday season. Uh, and I think the other thing that is interesting is the fact that the um, delivery companies, the, FA, uh, the FedExes, the UPSs, they actually got most of their packages out on time, which is pretty impressive as well. Yeah, we mentioned that briefly on Thursday, uh, and now we have data to back it up uh, coming from this company, ShipMatrix, this logistics firm. Uh, they basically say that that holiday supply chain crisis that we all feared never came. Almost all packages sent via UPS, FedEx, or uh, the Postal Service arrived either on time or with minimal delays. Of course, I still have a beef with the Postal Service, not just because my one package was stolen. I have a, another package that yes. appears to be lost I, that I, I was sent oh, out God. on the 15th. So I don't know. Maybe I'm the only person who's uh, who's getting screwed by the by the post office this year. Um, <laughs> but I'm glad to I'm glad to hear that everyone else seemed to have gotten their packages on time. I'm always amazed by those e-commerce numbers because it, it, it's remarkable how how much it has grown during covid. But I'm always amazed it's actually not a higher proportion. And it just shows you that, like, maybe, I, you know, your own the way that you operate is not necessarily how the average American does, because I do virtually all of my shopping online now, uh, as does Becky, even my mother, who barely really uses a computer. Uh, she does all of her shopping now on the Internet. So it's just like but still it only makes up 20 percent of the overall pie. So a lot of people still like the, you know, that tactile experience of going well, to the store, going to the mall. True. Right. 
but the, what's interesting is the delivery companies, the FedExes and the UPSs of the world, actually credited a lot of retailers having earlier sales as part of the reason why they hit a lot of these mm. uh, numbers to get their, their packages in on time. Because everybody was so terrified about the pand uh, about the uh, supply chain issues of whether or not their packages would get uh, to their house by the holidays. People ordered early, and you also had retailers doing their Black Friday sales even earlier also. And it's interesting right. because when you look at the consumer, it used to always be Black Friday was the day you did physical retail, like brick and mortar uh, shopping. And then you always had Cyber Monday as your online day. Now we've sort of seen Cyber Monday sort of take up the entire weekend. And if anything, it's done like the weeks prior to that. Now I'm almost curious if these retailers have realized that they'll make more money and they have and, and, uh, and for these delivery companies, they know that they'll get their packages early and on time that you'll start seeing these Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals throughout the entire month of December now as a result to sort of uh, entice November, people to start doing their shit. Yeah, e even November. Yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. November and December. Mm -hmm. So you basically have two full months of deals. So that way yeah. it entices the shopper to also say, I don't know how much is going to be available, so I want to make sure I get my hands on this particular product because we've seen some products still it was more so the tech games, like the Nintendo Switches and all that stuff that were taking forever for people to get if you could find them. But other things, people were like, listen, I'll just buy it early because I don't know if it's still going to be on the shelves later down the road. We're, we're heading to a place where the Christmas holiday shopping season is going to start on Labor Day, right? Or <laughs> Fourth <laughs> of July, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, either way, going to be interesting to sort of watch what sort of trends we they uh, retailers like this holiday season, and if that happens the next holiday season. Uh, meanwhile, speaking, uh, staying on the business beat here, there were two big in-person events that usually dominate the business world every January. Carlo, uh, we're talking about the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, and then we have the Consumer Electronics Show that happens in Vegas. Now, Davos has already post, uh, been postponed indefinitely for the second year in a row. That's, of course, due to Omicron. And CES is literally just hanging on by a thread right now. Microsoft, Google, and Intel, the latest big exhibitors, to say they're not going to attend the trade show in person when it kicks off on January the 5th. And they just join a slew of other huge Silicon Valley titans that are also saying they're yeah. not going to be there, Carlo. Yeah, General Motors, uh, Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, Twitter, Amazon, and TikTok had already dropped out of CES. Uh, they will. All of these companies say that they're going to appear in some some version remotely. But, of course, with a trade show, you know, you kind of have to be there in person, really, I think. Yeah, uh, I think – are we going? Cheddar usually sends uh, a reporter. We, we're producer. supposed to. Are we going? We're supposed to, be sending, yeah. we're supposed to be sending Ken Bufa to it. I don't know if it's still happening or not, but I know Ken Bufa has been really looking forward to it because it's all he talks about all the time. <laughs> <laughs> At least when I saw him. Um, so I know he would just be devastated if we ended yeah. up sending him. <laughs> I mean, look, this has to. This is the same thing with the return to office plans that are continuing to get pushed True. back, uh, at least here in New York City, for the umpteenth time. Um, a lot of these companies just keep kicking the can down the road. A lot, some some employers are now just like, we don't even know. Just like work from home until, you know, we'll tell yeah. you when you have to come back. Um, 
but you know what, what's happening, I think, is that no CEO, right, no business leader in America wants to be responsible for a single COVID infection among their staff. Um, they're just terrified of that liability, even though, of course, you know, these are the same executives who expect their employees to work with the flu, right? I mean, when I like, I can't even think about how many times in in past jobs I've called, I've tried to call out sick or injured, even, and I've been told I have to go to work. Um, that hasn't happened right. to Cheddar to, to their uh, to their credit, but you know, Becky broke her leg once, and uh, she was told uh, to 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 come into work with her broken what? leg. So it's like, what? Yeah, it's all very. Uh, this was at a, at a former job, um, but it was, it's all just I very critical, right? We're just, we're never, the, these people are terrified of the liability that COVID is going to bring them, but we're never going to go back to normal until some of these executives, some of these business leaders come out and say like, look, you may get COVID at work. You may get COVID at a work function and sorry if that happens, uh, but you still have to come into the office. I don't even necessarily think that that's the right move because I think working from home is is working for a lot of people and working for a lot of uh, employees in particular. But I think that there, we haven't really seen very much, I think, leadership in the business world about getting back to normal, right? It's not just politicians. It's not just Joe Biden and Anthony Fauci that are going to deliver us back to some some state of normalcy in the endemic phase of this pandemic. It's going to have to be CEOs and it's going to have to be, um, you know, corporate executives who who say, OK, the time has come now to, uh, you know, to, to get to th some threshold of normalcy, as we always talk. about. I know. But Carla, the flip side to that would be either their employees who are so worried about catching COVID or the yeah. employees who have enjoy working from home. You I probably don't think you're going to see CEOs really take that stance because they're so terrified in this labor environment of losing yeah. any of those employees, of which is why I think a lot of them have really dragged their feet on this particular issue. One, because they don't want their employees to get infected, but two, they don't want to lose them if they force them to come to the office. So this is why we're going to be, I, I think, in this TBD stasis period for at yeah. least a while longer as a result of this. I think any employer who thought about going back to the office in the month of January, I, I really don't see that happening. Yeah. And we, and you know, people, again, one of these things that goes very undercover that I always bang the drum about is, you know, these companies that are just holding on to like class A real estate in a city like New York or LA um, or Chicago, they're not going to keep holding on to that forever, right? People, companies aren't going to keep paying rent uh, to be in some, you know, f fancy skyscraper in Manhattan if their workers aren't coming back. And what does that mean when that when when they give up those leases, right? That means a huge drop in uh, property tax revenue for the cities. Mm -hmm. That's something that I think is going to become a big uh, a big story in 2022 that we'll have to well, we'll have to keep uh, an eye on. I agree, and my last point on this, and we'll we'll move on. In a weird sort of ironic twist, does this benefit companies like WeWork, who were sort of left for dead at one particular point? Yeah. But do you basically see these these WeWork sort of companies sort of uh, revolutionize basically the working environment because people only have to go in in certain places uh, and certain times because of all of this? Carla, let's talk about the box office here. Spider-Man No Way Home continues to crush the competition. It now has officially passed the billion-dollar mark worldwide. That after earning another $139 million domestically over the long weekend, Sing 2 did a solid $41 million in second place, while The Matrix Resurrections continued 
continued the trend of the day and date movie bombing in the theaters. It did snag about 22 and a half million over the five day weekend. But I think the fact that that was streaming at the same time, not too bad, given the fact that it was on HBO Max. But let's go back to Spider-Man just to kind of show how long it's been since a film across a billion dollars, Carlo. The last film that we remember domestically to cross the billion dollar mark was Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. That was all the way back in 2019. So we haven't mm -hmm. seen a film cross that mark in over two years. Um, and I think what is most impressive about this, this crossing this mark is it did it during a, a, an intense part of the pandemic, the Omicron variant surging all over the place. And if anything, this goes to show that audiences, no matter what the environment is, the pandemic, the economy, anything, they will go to see films that um, um, that are high budget, high box office, but are, are intriguing to them. That if it, the right movie they will go to see, I guess is what I'm trying to say right now. Even though it did drop about 60% over the course of the first weekend to the second weekend, people went back for second viewings, which again, during this environment, you typically don't see. So this is all the more impressive here. Yeah. Trivia, do you know what the first movie is that uh, crossed a billion dollars at the box office? No Googling. What, the first one ever? The first movie to cross a, a billion dollars at the worldwide box office. I don't know. The answer what, is Titanic, the 1997 oh, James Cameron epic, wow. also known as my know favorite movie. Um, uh, but just Still quickly on the Matrix. your favorite? Oh, yeah. Titanic remains my favorite movie, and I will say that till the day I die, even though everybody <laughs> makes fun of me I'll never consistently. Let including my own wife. It's okay. I don't care. I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's a great love story <laughs> and a great action film. Um, yes. Back to The Matrix. The studio was hoping for $40 million, so 22 not uh, very good. Did you see anything good, by the way? I, I, the one thing that I watched this uh, this weekend was Don't Look Up, the uh, Adam McKay oh, yes, um, yes, the film yes. on, uh, on Netflix. So it, was a, it was a pretty – I thought it was a pretty clever satire of our sort of yes. like political – in media landscape. I'm not really sure if it worked as a feature length film. It felt a little long. Um, but if you like this podcast, I think that you really get a kick out of this movie. It's basically yes. about two people screaming to anybody who will listen about the world ending and, and nobody, uh, nobody paying any attention. <laughs> yeah. 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 You have, you have Meryl Streep who is playing the, the role of the president and is more concerned yeah. about her poll numbers than, you know, the, you know, the destruction of the planet. Uh, and yeah. just like that just goes to show in so many cases, you know, climate change, and all these other big issues and misinformation playing such a huge role and you're trying to sound the alarm, but nobody is taking you seriously. If any award right. they got to get, there is a scene in that film where you have Meryl Streep, Tyler Perry, Jennifer Lawrence, Leo DiCaprio, Timothy Chalamet, and, and you have like Kid Cudi, uh, Kid Cudi, who is also in there as well. It is like the most amazing casting I've ever seen. Yeah. And you have Jonah Hill playing Meryl Streep's chief of he staff. He was very funny. So, he was very funny. Yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it. The review of reviewers are, and the critics are really trashing it. They really hate it. I've seen some giving it like one and a half stars. I, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, it's it's not doing very well either. Yeah. Uh, but I love that. I also said last week, and I and I do think our viewers would like it too. The being the Ricardos on Amazon was really really good. Uh, I made it through forty minutes of the of the Matrix Resurrections before I looked at my husband. I was like, "Do you understand what's happening here?" By the way, no, <laughs> I don't either. Um, 
But anyway, still lots of good stuff to watch this weekend. Uh, finally, Carlo, an amazing story happening out of uh, Oklahoma where a sixth grade boy is being hailed as a hero that after he saved not one, but two lives on the same day this month. Davon Johnson has been honored by the mayor of his hometown. He was made an honorary member of the local police department that for his selfless actions on December the 9th, he was in school that morning when he leapt into action to save a fellow student who was choking on a bottle cap. And then just a few hours later that afternoon, the 11-year-old rescued an older woman from a house fire that he noticed that as he and his mother were on their way to church. Now, Davon's father died of COVID over the summer, and the boy said his dad's spirit was with him on that harrowing day. I mean, what an incredible kid. And also talk about being yeah. at the right place at the right time on that day. Yeah. Incredible story. I would uh, I would recommend uh, reading some of the write-ups in the local newspapers about this little boy. Just, um, wow. The, the, the hero we need, right? Also, just, uh, I don't know, this is sort of similar. There's another crazy sort of similar story this weekend. A newly hired uh, TSA officer being hailed a hero after she saved a baby from choking. Uh, she performed the uh, Heimlich maneuver on the, on the infant. This happened at the uh, security line at Newark Airport over the weekend. So go check oh, out the wow. CCTV video. It's amazing. She leaps over the conveyor belt and uh, saves this little baby. It was like, as a new parent, like your heart like wow. stops. It's unbelievable. Let's do a little more to know before we go, Baker. All right. A big winter storm in the West, Carlo, adding to the travel headaches this week. There are winter storm warnings in effect from the Canadian to Mexican borders on the West Coast and another storm coming in tomorrow in the South. Christmas Day temperature records were shattered in cities like Dallas, where it was 81 degrees on Saturday. Just wow. Mm-hmm. Not great. Uh, the LAPD expected to release more details today about a chaotic police shooting at a Hollywood department store that happened last Thursday. I don't know if you've been following this really tragic story. Uh, this incident began when police responded to reports of an assault with a deadly weapon inside a Burlington Coat Factory store. Uh, officers found a man who was assaulting a woman. They fired at him, but they also appear to have hit a 14-year-old girl who was in a dressing room directly behind this guy. Uh, both the girl and the assailant were pronounced dead at the scene. There's a lot of questions here about why the LAPD uh, responded in this way, why they were uh, opening fire in a crowded department store before Christmas. Uh, and we should get some body cam video and some uh, some more details on that today. And we'll keep you posted tomorrow. Oh, just so sad, Carla. Meanwhile, Desmond Tutu, the towering anti-apartheid leader of the South, of South Africa, often uh, considered the country's mo uh, moral conscience, uh, passed away over the weekend. The cause was cancer. The Archbishop was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1984 for his role in the struggle to abolish apartheid, which continued until Man uh, Nelson Mandela was released from prison and began the process of repealing the racist policy that was there. Tutu, an incredible uh, figure. He also he didn't pull any punches, even, uh, you know, nope. took Mandela's own party to task uh, for greed and corruption um, until his uh, his dying days. He really, you know, held all of that country's political leaders to account. Uh, also, another, another notable death stateside here, Sarah Weddington, the Texas lawyer who successfully argued Roe v. Wade in front of the Supreme Court as a 26 year old. Uh, she died yesterday at the age of 76. Uh, Weddington's death comes as the court, of course, weighing the biggest challenge to abortion rights since she argued Roe. Um, an update to a story we told you guys last week, NASA's James Webb Telescope successfully launched into space on Christmas Day. The $10 billion telescope is on its way to a location a million miles away from Earth. 
This is where it's going to set up shop and begin taking photos into deep space. The journey expected to take about a month, Carlo. Looking forward to that. I'm very glad uh, that it got off. And uh, congrats to NASA and all the scientists for, for making it happen. Yeah, really impressive stuff. Uh, and also just a little bit of an NFL playoff picture coming into view here. Six teams have now clinched playoff spots with two weeks, two weeks remaining in the regular season. The Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the Rams, and the Cardinals join the Packers and the Cowboys with postseason berths. Seahawks, Giants, and Panthers have been eliminated, as I believe have the Jets. So no New York team. Go into the big dance, big game, I should say. <laughs> the Cowboys, the Cowboys snow. hanging 56 on the Washington football team over the weekend. That was yeah. insane. And uh, the Bills beat the Pats in Foxborough. Another yes. impressive yes, they did. run there. Okay, guys, that's what you need to know for Monday, December 27th. Baker and I will see you tomorrow.